Welcome to our podcast, It's About Payroll. We're your hosts, Brian Escobar and Walter William Duncan III. Whether you're new to the payroll game or a seasoned veteran, we have something for you. Welcome back, folks, as we continue our journey of this payroll stub, this pay stub, trying to understand your paycheck when you look at it. If you've missed a few episodes, we've done an overview. We've talked about earnings with Gerard Hall. So yeah. you're missing some nuggets. Catch up. It's season three. This episode, Walt, mm-hmm. won't you let us know what we're going to cover in this episode? So, yeah, we wanted to break down the pay stub like an order, right? So we're going to start on the next section is going to be deductions. And we broke down deductions into four parts. Part one being involuntary and voluntary deductions. So we're going to discuss the differences between those, some things that, that you should know as an employee, and just different processes that, you know, you as an employee can practice when it comes to these uh, type of deductions, Okay. All right, cool. Keep it going. Give us a quick definition of what involuntary versus voluntary deductions mean. Okay, so involuntary deductions are those deductions that are basically made to satisfy like federal taxes, child support, creditor garnishments, meaning like if you have a loan or something that was defaulted or something like that, then they they can garnish your wages, bankruptcy, those type of things. So forced, right? Because involuntary, for those of you, right, who wants to need some quick definition, involuntary meaning you did not choose this, right? You are being forced. This is a a mandate. Another good word is mandatory deductions yeah. all right cool yeah one of my one of my previous managers said something i'm not saying it verbatim but she said within voluntary deductions like you you sign something uh but you and then in this fine print there was the stuff that allowed them to come after your garnishments mm-hmm. so you already signed something that acknowledged that so when it comes to involuntary they're going to go ahead all they have to do is go to the court because the state allows them to yeah so you don't have to the, the employee doesn't necessarily have to sign some allowing the company to do it they've already signed a contract with that company basically because like creditors you've already you, when you get your yeah. credit card you're agreeing in that million mm-hmm. page document yep. that you if you default they have the right to come and take it to get back from your check and it may and i hesitate because it makes me think of the sidebar here it's relevant but may not be this episode when we when on the rare occasions there's a payroll error we actually need employees to sign a document saying hey It's okay to take this back from my check. The reason why we do that as a best practice is because some states require the document to be signed. Other states don't. But as a best practice, we get it signed regardless of what state you're in. So that's just a sidebar for a payroll professional. Yeah, better be safe and everything, you know. And yeah, so So good, good nugget there. And then what are some examples of the voluntary deductions? So voluntary deductions are basically something like something that the employee has signed or elected. So like, for example, when Our those, choice. when those, yeah, the choice, like those benefit enrollment periods, those are elected deductions that an employee selects or, or picks when they get hired on. And basically, so it's right. the that the employee wanted, Hey, I want, we this want it. Exactly. And another sidebar, it is open enrollment season. So mm-hmm. folks, Open enrollment season is sometimes you get a postcard. I know I see like postcards come through in my house. Hey, your open enrollment mm-hmm. is coming in a few weeks. So guys, go look at your mail because what happens is you got an email. Okay. Yeah. What happens is come January, come December, you're going to be like, oh, wait, I didn't reelect medical. 
and or depending on how your company runs open enrollment, it could be active or passive. And come January, if it's active, you may not have any deductions come out and you can be like, whoa, where's my medical dental vision? Those things are important, but you missed open enrollment and you, you didn't read the note that said, if you don't go actively pick it, we're going to drop everything. So can you explain to the employee what active or passive is? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, and it is relevant because we are talking about voluntary deductions and this is Mm -hmm. really where it's born from. This is how you pick your voluntary deductions. Active open enrollment means that it requires the employee's participation. It requires the employee's choices and clicking. And sometimes you don't even have to, sometimes you just verify the same things, but they, the company wants you to actively go in choose these items and click submit to yeah. reconfirm for yes. the upcoming year yep. and in an open enrollment folks benefits and payroll run on a calendar year only even if your company runs on different fiscal years which is challenging sometimes because your fiscal year may end I don't know, in the summer, in the spring, who knows, depending on what Mm -hmm. fiscal year your company has chosen. And then, but then you also have calendar year. So it is very confusing sometimes because folks starting a new fiscal year and then they like, well, but my deductions won't change until one, one for calendar year because benefit and payroll run on calendar year. So keep that in mind. This is open enrollment season as we close out the year we're mm-hmm. ramping up for the new year and trying to get all that information together for the new year. Again, just sidebar call out. Go ahead and make mm-hmm. sure you're if you don't have a, a communication from your company, reach out to your HR department. Believe me, they sent something out already or they're about to go ahead and make sure you know about your open enrollment so that you may pick your voluntary deductions that come out of your paycheck. Great call out. Great call yep. out. Not, not, not to continue the sidebar, but I do have oh, a yeah. question for you on that. Right? So. With some of those open enrollment periods that that the employees are required to go in and select or elect or reconfirm those mm-hmm. deductions, I've seen it where some companies have said, okay, the employee didn't do anything. They just kept the deductions that they had and automatically enrolled them. I've seen other companies say, you didn't complete it, your benefits stopped. Yep, that's the like, difference between active and passive. Yeah. Because passive will automatically just re renew whatever you had this year for the next year. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's that. That's a, a great example. That's exactly right. You may lose your deductions if you don't go actively. And again, nothing changes. It could be everything could be the same, but they want you to actively go in and resubmit and confirm. This is usually best practice. It's it comes down to that. So yeah, just keep a, an eye out for your open enrollment if the and benefits are important to you. Okay. okay. Yeah. And okay. speaking of the deductions, a great call out is that some of these amounts some of the things that we that come out of our check are based on a flat number a hundred dollars every time you get paid other things as far as especially voluntary deductions a 401k could be percentage Mm -hmm. and that's 10 percent or five percent that's coming out of your pay every time you get paid so just keep that in mind as you as you're trying to figure out your check something some numbers are number every time Some numbers will fluctuate, a percentage will fluctuate based on your hours and earnings. 
Yeah, that's a great call out, man. Like even with the involuntary deductions, it's the same logic, right? Same thing. Like you had a different type of garnishments. So oh, that's true. Some of them are percentage. Yeah. 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 So you can have a. They'll say, hey, twenty five percent. Yeah. Uh, up to twenty five percent. I've seen it even with child support. I've seen yeah. child support come and they say, hey, up to twenty five percent of the yeah. person's disposable earnings, yep. or they just calculate a flat amount for them to pay on a whatever their pay frequency is, you know, but that... you, you said a key word there, disposable mm. earnings. Yes. What does disposable earnings mean? That means after basically what we're talking about now, after your deductions. So yeah. you take your earnings and they take all the deductions out that they can. And then they say, okay, Hey, what does this person have left over to, to the net pay? Basically look at it and say, Hey, all this money will, we want to take 25% of it to, for this garnishment, for your child support, whatever, yep. you know, that's yep. basically what it is. And, and payroll folks don't go get worried because usually the garnishment gives you the disposable calculation because they all have someone different be based on what they allow to be disposable. Mm -hmm. Basically it's your taxes. They may say federal and then the variances, some place, some States will allow you to include the, your medical benefits. Some yes, States don't care. They're just like, Nope, it's the, it's, Gross minus your federal mandate taxes. Yeah. And then that is your disposable. Whatever that number equals, that's your disposable income, not factoring in any and anything else. So just, mm -hmm. you know, best thing is try not to be in a situation where you're getting garnished because they, they it's gonna hurt your paycheck. But yeah. as a as an employee, stay away try to stay out of garnishment situations. Pay it mm -hmm. yourself a lot of times. And yeah. I'm sure we can do a garnishment episode, is what I'm thinking. And maybe we Cover. Hey, let's talk a little bit about it now. Yeah. On garnishments, sometimes you'll get a warning, and yes. right, and you get That's a warning, notification letter. Yes. <laughs> hey, pay this, or we're gonna come get it out of your check, folks. Mm -hmm. Pay it because they're not playing. It comes out your check. Once it gets to payroll, the company is obligated, is required, is mandated to process that garnishment. Oh, so I, I want to jump in here real yeah, quick. Yeah, of course. So something that I've practiced, and I want you to tell me whether you agree with it or not, right? Sure. So something maybe something I could learn from. I developed this practice for myself that if I got a garnishment in for someone, I would still set it up in ADP. I would still do my job, but I would let the employee know because I've seen in certain situations where the employee could reach out to that yes. creditor That's and say, hey, I'll stop it. I'll pay less workers. Yep. I'll pay $50 a month. Yep. So you don't have to worry about that and yep. all those court fees and stuff or whatever. So let's just do that. And I, I just started doing that practice. So employees, like, I feel like we should give that service as payroll professionals. Yes. I know this Agreed. series is about the employee, but I feel like as payroll professionals, we should give that employee or those employees those services. Yes, we should. For, to the professional, I totally 100% agree. It's great customer service to get that garnishment and then go ahead and warn the employee. Like, hey, and what I usually do to your point, because we've probably developed this best practice together over the years, that I let them know when the last moment yes. is to let, to let me know what they did so before it hits their paycheck. So I'll give them like a kind of a drop dead date. Like, all right, you, if you let me know by two o'clock on this day, you, I can stop it still. But if not, it's going in your paycheck. And more often than not, folks appreciate that. And they have gotten back to me plenty of times. Hey, I talked to them. It's good. They're going to send mm -hmm. you. Oh, but the thing is, you can't take their word for it. You need a document from the agency. Yes. Stopping the garnishment. 
Yep. And they will provide that. Absolutely. They will send that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, but it's timing sometimes. And you got to tell your employee, you got to set expectations. You got to say, hey, if I don't get it by this moment, you're going to get one. You're going to get hit with one. And then if they send me the thing that it's, it, it's done, then I'll ask them what to do with that. Because do I refund it to you or do I let it go to them? And then mm-hmm. you guys deal with that offset because then it's less that you owe. Yeah. So, now most agencies will tell you in that letter, though. Yes. They will say, hey, refund or Oh, if they whatever. Okay. There you mm-hmm. go. There you go. Yeah. No, it's definitely worth calling out and it's definitely a good practice because as an employee, you know, from the employee perspective, this is be hopefully you have a payroll department like us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, But if not, you may get hit in your check and you're like, oh, man. But please believe there's probably been some type of attempt at communication before that happened. Before it hit your check, there was probably some attempt. So, again, that's not the payroll department's fault. Payroll, once they get those garnishments, they have to legally uh, abide by them. They, They are obliged to do it. So, Folks, don't get mad at your boy in payroll or your girl in payroll because they did that to you. Your person in payroll. Your person in payroll. Thank you, sir. And because they have to, man. It's their job, folks. It's their job. And that's a lot of the times people don't realize that. So as an employee dealing with your pay stub, yes, it's in your pay stub. But that error most likely originated somewhere else. And you got to find the root. Payroll will help you get to that root of the problem. Mm-hmm. Hey, I see this wrong. Who do I ask? And they can definitely tell you because we're used yeah. to that. We're used to being a, like a traffic, air traffic controller. Yeah. Questions come in and we got to send them to the right parties. Dep- yeah, depending on how your organization is built, we'll get you to the right place or it's our teammate. And we're like, hey, yeah, hold on. We'll get you the answer. Yeah. So just keep that in mind as you're looking at your deductions, whether they be involuntary or voluntary. If there are errors there, Just be gentle as you reach out and to Mm -hmm. get the answer. And if you're starting with payroll, be gentle. Be give it more honey with more bees with honey. Yeah. Especially Mm -hmm. when you start the inquiry, because you Mm -hmm. don't want to get mad at the first person you talk to, and then they're like, "Mm, "Okay, click." Now, now you're really gonna suffer and work hard to get this answer. Whereas you can just, hey, change your approach. I'm so sorry to bother you. This may not be you. And I get that a lot. Hey, this may, you may not be the right person, but if you can help me understand who do I ask or what's uh-huh. going on with my check, mm-hmm. I love answering those because they're they're being respectful of us and have some understanding like, yeah, this is probably not your fault, but it's an error and I need to know what happened. I can understand, I can understand where right? you're coming from with that. Yeah. Yeah. Another call out are negative deductions, and we will repeat mm-hmm. this throughout the deduction conversation. Yeah. Any deduction can be a negative deduction. Now, I know you're trying to say Ryan's double talking because he, it's a deduction is already negating my money. What do you talk about negative deduction? A negative mm-hmm. deduction is really a refund back to you. It's a clean way sometimes in the example that we just covered for the garnishment that maybe shouldn't, maybe it was an error. We got the, oh, wait, give it back. How do you give that money back? The right way, the best practice in any transaction on an employee's pay stub is to reverse it with the same code that it was used to deliver it, right? Keep that in mind, folks. This is, if for payroll professionals, this is probably one of the biggest call outs you could ever understand is on your if you're paying an earning and you have to reverse it, you got to use the same code that you did when you paid the earning. If you took out a medical deduction erroneously and you have to give that back, you have to use that same code to give it back. One, 
-hmm. it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna trigger the taxability when we get into pre-tax we'll talk about the taxability pieces mm -hmm. so you want the system to understand that and two it's reporting it's reporting you want accurate reporting at the end of the year because everything on a pay stub is going to impact your w-2 so you yeah. want that reporting to be proper you need that refund to come out the way it went in yeah so yeah. just so yeah. So as the employee, that that's something you want to double check, right? Yes. So I know that we're saying a lot of stuff that sounds like from the payroll perspective, but as Thank the employee, you. you want to make sure that or your payroll department does that. So if you yes. notice a deduction for medical and they over deducted you and you see a credit on your next stub, and it, but it says regular for that, so something should be wrong with yeah. that. You know exactly. what I'm saying? So that's something exactly. to check out. Yep. If yeah, and if you and a lot of times what they do, a lot of times like phone allowances and phone allowances the best. I don't want to start saying other ones because there's taxability issues. Mm -hmm. Phone allowances are usually paid as a negative deduction because uh, yep. it's not an earning. You did not earn it. It's a gift from the an allowance really from the employer and the employer the 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 us as employees we don't pay taxes on it. And the employer also gets to write it off as an expense. It's a business expense. It's a legitimate business expense. It should not yeah. be taxed to the employee. Yeah, and that's something that we'll get along. This is one of the other parts, a preview of one of the other parts coming up is post-tax deductions. Correct. So we'll be talking on that in a little bit as well. If you um, can, can, you have mentioned that we're going to do four-part on deductions. Can you tell us what all four parts are going to be? Yes. Part all one right. we're discussing right now, voluntary and involuntary deductions. Part two is pre-tax deductions. Part two is pre-tax. Part four, we focus on the taxes. What part do we have in the part three? Oh, that's a part. You went two to four, oh, I think. Oh, part three. <laughs> part three, we focus on taxes. Okay. And then and part then, four. Part four is post-tax deductions. Gotcha. So we structured it how the deductions will actually work in in payroll. So your pre-tax right. deductions will come out first, and then your taxes, and then your post-tax deductions. That's how we structured the episodes as well. Thank you very much, sir. And then it makes me think about, I wonder where we put this, because I feel like it's more of a payroll thing. But it also, I mean, it's both. It's always both. There is a hierarchy of, in, in a, in a payroll calculation system there's a hierarchy of what it's going to calculate out of your check first and then uh -huh. second and then third and then because mm -hmm. it goes for those federal deductions first yeah. it's not going to take out for instance if you don't have enough money to cover all your deductions in a pay period let's say for for some reason you didn't you don't have total out you don't have a full paycheck for whatever reason you know what i mean and you, you're not making enough and you don't have enough to cover all of your deductions, uh -huh. it's going to take the taxes first. And yep. then it's going to see if it has enough for your voluntary. Involuntaries will come good out first. Out. Yes. Good. And mm -hmm. then it's see. So that's another, that's another thing to look out for if you're like, okay, wait, I didn't have enough money to cover everything. Believe me, the company is going to circle back to you at some point and be like, hey, you didn't make enough for your medical benefits that week you owe us still we're gonna have to take it out of your next check or or and then look if you're talking to your com company there are probably opportunities to work some. so yeah. just be but be mindful that, of that if you're an hourly employee and you got a lot of deductions coming out right you're getting all your medical benefits on the checks that you don't hit total hours your full-time hours just be wary of that and mindful because not everything you cover may have been able to come out of that paycheck yeah good call out man 
Yeah, man. Allows. Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you some questions then as we get closer to wrapping this up. Sure. For involuntary deductions, what power do I have as an employee? Involuntary? Oh, man, that's a good one. Pro- probably just education. As you pre- prepared very well for us here, there's state by state is different type of rules. For example, Texas doesn't allow garnishments, only allows a fruit, only allows certain yeah. garnishments, right? Yeah. You can empower yourself with education on understanding what involuntary what where you can flex on your yeah. taxes of course understanding your taxes that's a whole nother deal and but it, at the end of the day it becomes how much it, it, knowledge knowledge is power mm. so on the involuntary deduction side knowledge is power on the voluntary deduction right you can we control it out you know Mm-hmm. All of it. I did want to cover something. You made me think about, see some here that we missed. But on the medical benefit side, if mm-hmm. you're paid biweekly, ah, yep. yeah, you know where I'm going. Sometimes your company will only take out 24 deduction amounts. So let yep. me back up. If you're biweekly, you're going to get paid 26 times a year because there are two months every year that you will get paid three times. Because the biweekly cycle and the month is long, you end up getting paid three times in one month, right? Mm-hmm. It gets extra money, but it's not. We've already calculated that. You're not getting paid extra. I used to love how when I was ignorant of it, I'd be like, oh, man, I'm getting another check. Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> no, your company already did the math. It's You're getting paid properly. But what they mm-hmm. will do sometimes is they'll only take the medical benefits out of the first two checks of every month and Uh they'll give you a bit of a grace in that third check those two times a year right but it gets confusing because then folks are like oh wait oh my god you get a lot of calls oh you didn't take out my medical no this is three times we only take it out 24 times it's Mm -hmm. honestly it's to the it's to the employee's benefit that you take it out 26 times because then the amount is a little smaller you can do both i prefer the 26 times because again it's just a little bit more customer service i think customer friendly for the lower amounts but keep that in mind if you're bi-weekly and you're doing medical benefits that three times a month just think about it next time oh wait am i are they taking it out this this three times or or no so if you if you see it that it doesn't come out then you're probably set up for the 24 times a year as opposed to every paycheck just the call out yeah nice thank you man that's a great call out bro yeah absolutely yeah let me i guess another question for the voluntary deductions can an employee stop those deductions at any time are there some rules around that so they are yeah they are that's a really great question so medical side it has. It usually has to be a life. If you have a med, if you have medical, dental, vision, dental and vision are usually a little bit more flexible. But medical, for sure, has to be a life event. Meaning, if you have family, now you can't just go all of a sudden say, "I don't want family" in the middle of the year, because yeah. you've already been priced out that way. And unfortunately, unless there's a life event, so let's be positive here. So if you were single, if you or you're single and married, and you started off with a single plan. The only way you can add family on in the middle of the year is if you literally have a baby, if you have a new family member. You adopt, I'm sure adoption is considered your family grows in a proper way, then you can add that family to your medical. So for medical, even though it's voluntary and all that, but you lock in 
for the year unless there's a life event. And losing your job and hardship are life events. So those can qualify sometimes if you're if oh or if your spouse loses their job. That's also a life event that could help you out. That's a qualified life event. But they have to be married unless your company allows for domestic partnership. Not every company does. So those are yes, we have choices, but they're a little bit limited. Even when it comes to 401k, the plan documents will dictate when you can go in and out of the plan and how often you can change your elections. Ah, okay. So even though you may be able to change it and cut it off off and on, they, for instance, some companies allow for the first of every month you can make a change if you want to come in and out of the plan. Meaning I want 5% now. What? Man, I'm a little tight next month. I'm going to do 0% next month. But they all allow it only at the first of the month. Some companies only allow it quarterly. So if you contribute to 401k, be mindful of the rules of how you can go in and out of the plan. Right. Thank you for those. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I guess one last question when it comes to documentation and voluntary deductions, there will always be some document trail showing that, that employees signed or agreed to a deduction or electing a deduction. There always needs to be that backup. Yes, absolutely. Everything that mm-hmm. happens in your check mm-hmm. should have some some documentation to back it up. That's a good that's a good area. We should talk about all that at some point is like because earnings should be based on your offer letter or your hiring mm-hmm. documents or your deductions, your taxes should be based on your W four mm-hmm. and everything else should be based on something that you elected. And yes. there's documentation for it. Because if not, you need to look at your check, understand the codes that it's happening, understand mm-hmm. what's going in and out of your check. And I think we spoke about this before already, is understanding what those codes. I've had folks that it does. it's not until they go file taxes that they realize, oh, wow, I've been paying the wrong thing all year. Mm-hmm. I had somebody, and this goes to show you folks, look at your check. I had somebody that lived in one state but was paying state taxes to another state across the country for the whole year. Yep. Now, granted, that's a setup error. There's some onus on the company for the footfall, for dropping the ball there. But like I say in this all the time, some of this is on us to validate our information. So that means that person wasn't looking at their pay stub all year long. They did not look at their pay stub all year until they went and filed taxes. And then they see, oh, because a lot of people... I don't know if they can still do this, but a lot of folks file off their last pay stub because they can't wait mm-hmm. for their W-2. Mm-hmm. They got, they're going to go file taxes off their last pay stub. And that's yep. dangerous, folks. That's another thing. Gosh, we're dropping gems today. That yes. is another thing. Do not file off your last pay stub, folks. Yep. If you're in dire need, there's a chance that the information can change mm-hmm. from your last pay stub to your W-2 because mm-hmm. – we as payroll professionals have a grace period between your last pay stub and when those W-2s get issued to do any final add-ons or deletions mm. or adjustments to your, your the transactions for the year for you, okay? Yes. And some companies have year-end add-ons. You're, sometimes you get a you get a, a phone if somebody gives you, if a company gives you a phone. A lot of times there the agreement is, hey, we're gonna give you the phone, but we're gonna add the cost of that phone onto your earnings at the end of the year. Yeah, well, you're getting a $1,000 phone right now, 
but we're, you're going to pay the taxes on it because we're going to add that on to your earnings at the end of the year. So guess what? You may be $1,000 off from last pay stub to your W-2. Yep. So please try not to file off of your last pay stub. The numbers can absolutely change within legal limits. Yes, that's a great nugget. Yep. We'll have to definitely bring that nugget up when we talk about taxes and W-2s. Exactly. Uh, again. So yeah, I think this that's a good way to cap it off, man. Awesome. Awesome, man. Thanks. Thanks for joining us again, folks. As always, we're here to help. Hopefully you got a couple of gems today. And catch us next week. We're gonna do we're gonna continue this four part series of deductions and we'll be on part two of it. Yep. Looking forward to it. Take awesome. care, guys. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of our podcast. We appreciate you. We're grateful for you. And we hope that the information that we'll share with you will impact you as a payroll professional. Until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and most importantly, keep going.